podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sissoko finally waited. Erickson, low, great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez, Lucas Mora, and belted into the net. Brilliant goal. On debut, Tunge Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Mora clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London. That is absolutely incredible on debut. Oh, yay! What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Aurier. First hand here to Son. Kane, good area for Spurs. And Kane's not afraid to shoot. Wow, what a goal, Harry Kane. That is exceptional. Who will try and place it. Wonderfully taken by Eric Lamella. Never afraid to take on a shot, and with good reason. Terry in the Burnley back line, and Son breaks forward. Oh, wow, what a run. Yenmin Son from inside his own half has scored one of the best goals of his Spurs career. Welcome to another episode of the Touchline Hotspur podcast. Uh, it's a bit of a depleted cast this week. Um, Christmas is around the corner, so there's a lot of illnesses. There's a lot of people with their kids, their loved ones and whatnot. And there are a lot of people who are just too scared of the cold to come on and, and, and jump on the podcast today. So, of course, um, it's your boy Tottenham Tobes and uh, me and Owen. We're going to keep you company today or whenever it is you're listening to this. And we're going to dissect the best and the worst of Spurs over the last week. Uh, Owen, how are you doing? Yeah, good. Uh, I'm I kind of depleted with all the, the L's we've taken recently. But for me, um, <laughs> with all everything that's going on, I'm just using this as an excuse to put off my wrapping for just a little bit. I've currently surrounded myself with all the presents. I've still got to wrap, but just it's just here. Uh, at, least, listen, at least you were thoughtful enough to get people gifts. Spurs... Spurs, we'd have thought they'd be thoughtful enough to give us a couple Christmas gifts and they didn't give us any gifts in the league, but at least they gave us a nice little surprise in the Carabao Cup. But we'll, we'll touch on mm. that later on. But before we get into the podcast itself, um, if you're listening for the first time or you're just listening generally and you're not following us already, make sure to follow Touchline Fracker on Twitter, 
on Instagram. Uh, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube page and then make sure to, to um, mm. join us on Discord. We're about on Discord um, for all the, the matches, the live matches. So join the discussion, join the live chat, join the, the chat window and just come and mingle with us and uh, as we chop it up, really. Um, again, just before we get into the podcast, as I mentioned earlier, I just wanted to also give a shout out to our new partners, Fanslide. Um, they've definitely added a dash of, what's the word I'm looking for, a little bit of vavavoom to the recent matches that we've we've watched for sure. Um, for those of you who don't know what Fanslide is, it's a brand new concept and it's essentially the world's first in-play fantasy football app. And I can't speak highly of it enough. It's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely made my um, my viewing experience better in certain cases when I'm winning and not so good when I'm not winning. Um, so uh, I suggest that if you haven't got the app already, you go out there and you download it as well. Come play against us. Come play against any of your mates who you feel would be best fit um, in the fantasy world. Um, it's a it's a really cool concept. Uh, I know Owen, you've downloaded the app recently as well. And we were literally just discussing this um, off air. I feel like it's a it's a fine balance between sort of strategy and luck, really, because you only have twenty minutes to select three players from either team. Um, and once you select those three players for that 20 minutes, you can't use them again throughout the match. So you really have to be smart or you really have to be really lucky to ensure that that player gets you that some points within the within the specific time frame they're chosen. So I know, Owen, um, we, as I said, we were discussing, uh, we got Wolves coming up this weekend as well. So that, I guess that's ample opportunity for you to sort of test out your, mm-hmm. your fantasy football skills. 100%. And I'm, I think I'm going to just come out for everyone's next on this one because i've been sitting back over the last week listening to everyone's strategies and <laughs> you and for a more bold strategy mario came across he was being more conservative picking defenders at certain times and yeah. i don't yeah. i'm not gonna reveal too much about my strategy i'm just gonna sit back and um watch the money roll in it's well, gonna be fun all I'm saying is this year, like, don't go against me because I'm I am quite formidable when I put my mind to it. Just as an example, no, Chelsea, I've declared war. I'm sorry. <laughs> Chelsea this West is a declaration Ham, of war. Nah, trust me, you'll lose. Chelsea, Chelsea <laughs> West Ham, yeah. Um, I put Thiago Silva as the sort of triple point option, and I put Mason Mount as the the double point option. I just thought, you know what, Mason Mount on set piece duty, Thiago Silva, him and Zuma have got a couple headers. See, you got to think outside the box, and guess what? Within the first fifteen minutes of the game, guess who scores a goal and guess who assists it? Thiago Silva goal, Mason Mount assists, and I was in the I was in the money there. So oh, listen, lucky, but fair play. <laughs> <laughs> Don't test me when it comes to it, but rather than me talking about it, come join us. Um, mm. It's going to be available for a couple of the matches over the sort of festive period as well. So, yeah, come join us. Try your hand at winning the cash prize and try your hand at beating myself or Owen. So we'll see you there, really. Um, but now on to um, bigger matters. Uh, boy, huh? where do I start? <laughs> where do I start? It's been a it's been a mixed mix. It's been a mixed week for us, isn't it, Owen? Like it's just been, in fact, it's probably been a mixed two-week period for us because it's fair to say this is probably our roughest, our roughest period of the season so far, of a pretty, um, pretty solid season on the whole. To be honest, um, what are you saying? Is it, is it, is it a bump in the road or is it sort of like a, a, a slight worry? Uh, just a real, real small bump in the road, like we. Obviously, like you say, we've gone through our most difficult period of probably what's going to be the whole season, right? So 
going into the Christmas period as well, we came off the first lot of of these tough games with really, really good results. And we were kind of saying to ourselves, you've probably been a bit more pessimistic than most. Like, if we can keep this up, there's no reason why we can't challenge for, for the whole thing, right? But, yeah, we've kind of fallen away. And, you know, we're going to have to take that on the chin and just focus on some of the cups and top four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be more realistic with our ambition. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's ambition. You know, it's ambition is a good word because we had this discussion right at the start of the season. <laughs> right at the start of the season, and Sire was coming at me. Sire was saying, "Ah, oh, you don't want to stick your neck on the line," and blah blah blah. And I was just saying to you, look, tranquilo, tranquilo, be <laughs> calm, home. be calm. It's don't get carried away. The objective for me hadn't changed. Top three or top four finish and a cup. For me, like you said, it's a bump on the road, so we're still on course to do that. But <laughs> no shots, no indirects. I'm just hoping that mm. now, as a fan base, we manage our expectations better. And with that in mind, there's no better place to start than the actual previous weekend's fixture itself. So Leicester it was a pretty... Mm, uncharacteristically poor performance from us um, in the league based on based on our showings um, in recent months. I know people will point at Crystal Palace, we we didn't win the game, or Liverpool, we didn't win the game. But from a performance perspective, at least we showed uh, clear signs of quality in both of those games. Crystal Palace in the first half and Liverpool especially in the second half. But this Leicester performance, it just had nothing. It was actually a vomit-worthy performance all around. I think, <laughs> I think it. I think that's the best way to describe it. I think the players didn't turn up. The manager's approach was awful. The subs were questionable, and we saw a return to old ways for one of our what one of our most reliable defenders this season. So, <laughs> without mm. <laughs> without trying to take too many people out, what was your sort of general take on our performance, Owen? Yeah, I want to. Uh, yeah, I do want to break it down because on paper, over the ninety minutes, it there's no getting away from it. It was poor. Probably, it wasn't quite as poor as the Everton game at the start of the season. But really, it the first half we didn't start well at all. We'd say some would say we were very putrid in the first twenty twenty five minutes. We didn't really look to do anything. It was a game of chess. Like a lot of people were questioning, you know, why we had. On Dombele right up with Kane. Like I noticed Rogers was doing the same with Madison up at Vardy. It was like a game of chess, but no one really had a good attacking plan. Um, I didn't feel like Leicester looked like scoring in their first in the first 25 minutes, which we kind of let them have the ball. Um, whether that was down to manager instruction or we just sat off, not too sure. They had a half chance through Vardy. Well done. It it didn't seem to trouble us that much. We can we did come into it. I feel. I think we came into it towards the end of the first half, like the second half of the first half. So kind of got back on the front foot. We looked to create. We looked like we had more attacking ideas than Leicester. To be honest, mm-hmm. I fancied us to probably go on and score. There was even um, a pretty good opportunity where Sun looked like he was just going to rifle it in from the yeah, left. Yeah, I remember. And he tried to square it, and for something, he he had a poor game. Unfortunately, he had a poor game. Um, and then we kind of just got to the end of the first half, and I was thinking, you know, we're going to build a good foundation to go into the second half, yeah. take mm-hmm. control of the game, and 
Aurier, who I've been a big advocate of. I mean, if we go back a few years, yeah, I mean, if we go back a few years, there's definitely going to be receipts that for me to say that he should leave the club. But ever since Mourinho's come in, he's been ridiculous. He even played through games just after his brother's passing and he was still playing at a really high level. And then it was just a shame because it was just pure head loss. (laughs) Exactly. Proper implosion, like it's so needless, but it's so worrying. Like the thing is, you would if you (laughs) if you'd never watched a Premier League game of football and you've watched Aurier this, or better, if you hadn't watched a single game of Premier League football prior to this season, you watched Aurier, you'd be thinking, "Rah, that's so out of the blue." If (laughs) unlike that, unlike those type of people, if you've been watching Premier League football for years and you've been watching Aurier for years, you would know that's very much normal for Aurier. Not so much this season, but I mean. To put it into perspective, that's I think I'm pretty sure that's the fourth or fifth penalty he's given away in the in the Premier League since since he signed for us. Since yeah, he only for us. David Luiz has conceded more. Yeah, and let's not forget he also gave, he also gave away a penalty in that in that in that crazy game in the Champions League away to to Juventus as well. So as I said, I don't want to dig him out too was much. Was it Real Madrid? No, no, that was in fact yeah. At the burnabout, yeah. Burnabout, and actually, no, was it Ben Davies who gave it? It was Ben Davies against uh, Juventus Inter. They had two penalties, didn't they? They had, yeah, Higuain. Oh, yeah, do you know what? Higuain um, ruffled it down the middle, missed, didn't they? Yeah, so I'm I'm no, you are right. Yeah, so, so yeah, like it's it's a common it's a common habit in recent seasons with Aurier, but you don't want to be it's like you don't want to be too critical, but at the same time, you have to be because it's just complete madness. Absolute madness, and yeah. um, I don't even think the ball was anywhere near for Father either, which nah. was staggering. It's, it's ridiculous. I, I I don't know why he did it, but um, yeah, it was a stonewall penalty, and yeah, we go into the game, we go into the game one 0 down, and I think that sort of turned a bad performance that could still be salvaged into into a bad performance where we're at real risk of, of losing the game, and then the second half, oh god. The second half was even worse. I think the second half, the substitutions, I mean... Yeah. I mean, Jose Mourinho, like, you know my thoughts on him. <laughs> you know my thoughts on him. You know my thoughts on his approach. But, like, I do think he did get unlucky with the La Celso injury, which we'll touch on later on. But to take off in Dumbele, as poor as he was playing, was inexplicable for me. You're trying to score a goal. You're 1-0 down. And you take off our most creative midfielder, who was already playing out of position in the first place. And you bring on bonehead City Lucas Moura to literally, to literally run around like a headless chicken, running <laughs> into fair traffic in cul-de-sacs. Like, can't pick his head up to save his life. And in the end, we had what? We had, he brought on Gareth Bale as well. He was, he was pretty much ineffectual. Like, he, he came on, he did virtually nothing. Nothing of no, it was just, it was just a mess, really. So we, we ended up having no link between the midfield and attack. So we had Hoibie, we had the two sitting midfielders in Hoibie and Sissoko. And we effectively had Lucas Moura, Gareth Bell, Son and Kane. Kane was having to do, trying to do everything in the second half and to no avail. Um, sloppy goal, sloppy second goal to give away. No one picking up Jamie Vardy. Um, Alderweireld and, and Sissoko letting him peel off like that. And it was just a... It was just a sign of a really, really bad day in the office. But again, we don't want to. We don't really want to get too carried away with this bad performance because, in the league, certainly it's a rarity that we we've, we've played this bad. So you almost don't want to be too harsh on the boys, but at the same time, you have to be because 
coming off the back of that unnecessary late goal we conceded against Liverpool and the unnecessary draw we had against Palace. To keep pace, you gotta you gotta you gotta not drop some of these points and and we've we've been burnt this week. You're right, you're right. I mean I, I do hope that Mourinho's learned his lesson in uh in a sense. But I do think he mismanaged us in the second half. It wasn't like um the Crystal Palace second half where I feel like that was more down to the players, but the substitute in itself was strange. Like, okay, you can take Ndombele off if you feel like he's playing badly, but maybe bring on someone who's actually in a slight patch of form. Like, you've got Bergwijn on the bench, Vinicius. Um, so, I mean, he mismanaged us throughout. And the whole um, the whole shape where we just threw on attacking players yeah. and hoped for the best reminded me of uh, the Project Restart game away to Sheffield United. Oh, God. Where we just had, yeah, it was just all forward players, but no link between midfield and attack. Never, never looked like creating any chances in that game or this game. Even with Winks, we did improve it a little bit. Like, it's, I'm not even just saying it for my pro Winks agenda. Like, he he was necessary. He improved it a bit, but as I say, like Kane, bless him, he he did come and drop deep quite a bit, but he had a poor game as well. So yeah, it just goes back to your article where you kind of foresaw what was about to happen so it's like, <laughs> like if we can't keep relying on Kane and Son and if they both have a poor game then we're going to get poor results yeah I think I think um I think Leicester though Leicester to their credit they came in and they to their credit they did as first they were efficient they didn't create they, did, they didn't create many chances they didn't have to play a 10 out of 10 game they simply dug deep defended well, they didn't take too many risks with the ball and they got their lucky goal from the penalty and they saw out the lead and they defended brilliantly. Um, they did. I, I felt in the second half, they blocked everything we had with the exception of that one chance that that um, that Sonny had right in front of goal. I felt they did well to shut off the space in behind. I felt they did well to, to crowd out the midfield and get... Um, body as many bodies on Harry Kane as possible. I saw something like in Diddy having something like nineteen ball mm. or something. It's the most in the league. So it just illustrates that Brendan Rodgers, like you said, the game of chess. He won. He won. He got his lucky goal and he defended well. And um, just uh, he, he didn't need to do much else in the second half. It was. I feel like we made it a bit too easy to defend. We made it too easy for them to defend against. But at the same mm. time, you have to give credit where it's due, man. Leicester. They've been known to get a couple scalps this season, obviously getting a scalp at the Emirates, getting a scalp at the Etihad, and they, they've come here to score two goals and to keep a clean sheet. Um, you have to give their players and you have to give Brendan Rodgers some credit for that. So, yeah, it was it was just a, it was a really just a poor day all round in the office. And like you mentioned, with the lack of plan B as well, it's a serious issue. What, what I'm, I'm at a wit's end here because I feel like the obvious choice is to persist with the likes of Bergwijn, who, despite the poor, um, ineffectual um, efforts in front of goal or the poor offensive output, the general play hasn't been too bad with the exception of games like Arsenal and Chelsea and whatnot. The, the general play against Man City, for instance, was good. And despite my harsh criticism, the general play against Liverpool wasn't too bad either as well. So it feels like the obvious choice is to go with what we've got at the moment, hope that Gareth Bale clicks into gear, hope that that rabid dog, Eric Lamella, comes <laughs> on, runs his heart out and somehow puts some numbers on the board and hope that Lucas Moura develops a brain. But this is wishful thinking. 
two of these players we've been waiting to see something for a, a long time now. We, we ain't seen it. Steven Bergwijn, you give him time, you give him hope. And then Gareth Bell, he's got like six months left. So is it a case where we might have to dip into the transfer window to, to buy some more creativity, to buy yes. some more power? Yes. Uh, simple answer, yes. I'll, um, I'll try and elaborate. I mean, because it looks like uh, Delhi's imminently out as well, who could be a goal threat. But I think it will take way too many minutes for him. I mean, about three or four solid games for him to get any form of sharpness back. But I just don't see him getting it under Mourinho. Um, we'll touch on that, obviously, I'm sure, a bit later in the podcast. Yeah. Um, like you say, Lucas and Lamella, especially Lamella, have been particularly poor. I mean, I, I do accept Lamella's quite inevitable for certain <laughs> games. But crap, for, for intensive purposes, yeah, I, <laughs> I can't see them again more. Yeah, I mean, for <laughs> this season onwards, they definitely can't stay. If we can manage to get good fee for them in January, by all <laughs> means, there's quite a few good deals to be done out there. I mean, we've got um, Sabitza, who's apparently available for a nice fee. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he's in the last year of his contract or not, that being why, but he could bring in that creativity which we would need if we were going to start playing a little bit more on the front foot and uh, one that um, Aho has been an advocate of until yesterday where he lost his bet is Memphis Depay where he um, there was a tweet actually which surprised me Um, so Aho did this tweet where he was saying he's available for 5 million euros and someone tweeted with some stats about like how creative he is and I thought he was probably more of a profile player who's a forward who gets in behind and chips ah, in he's like the stats showed his uh, shot creation or sh- um, shot actions created and uh, assists per game is actually higher than his expected goals Yeah, by quite a way as well so he yeah. can definitely be that guy for us yeah, man, he does. He, he, he does a lot. And the thing is, the thing is with Memphis is he's so fluid. He's so versatile. Mm. He can play across the attack. He can play behind the striker. Like you said, he can lay chances on the plate. He's a good long distance shooter as well. He's good for, for putting numbers on the board. And more importantly as well, he can take set pieces. We don't have anyone who can take set pieces anymore. I'm that's, sick. that's all Bale's supposed to do. And well, I was actually quite critical of Bale joining initially. Like I got caught up in the romance, like everyone. Yeah. But even before, I, I I had severe concerns that he was pretty done, and yeah. it's looking bleak. I've got to say, yeah, it is. But I'm not going to give up on Gareth Bale yet. But it's what we've seen so far has just not been good enough. But I still, I still believe, despite the physical wear and tear his body's been through. Um, there's still quality in them legs, man. We he, we can get something out of Gaff, but we've got he's got six months left, essentially six months, five six months left to show us that you've got something in there. And I, I he just I'm got still... injured against Stoke as well, didn't they? Ridiculous. <laughs> we're, we're, we're touching that anyway, but I still think there's some quality there. And, and plus, mm. I do feel that there's some quality in Bergwijn. But even even with the Gaff Bill, the optimism, the potential optimism around Gaff Bill and Stephen Bergwijn. We still need something else. So if January is the time to, to to cut ties with the likes of Lucas, so be it. If January is the time to bring in the likes of Sabitza, so be it. But for me, top options have to be defensive reinforcements in the centre-back position, for sure. And um, either a creative midfielder or a, a, a new attacker for me, because 
we like we said the over reliance on Harry Kane and Sonny and the lack of front foot football um, in some of these matches might be our undoing this season if we don't rectify if we if we don't use this January transfer window as a springboard to try and maintain the good work we we we've done so far. And speaking of the good work, is there's, there's it's a nice sort of segue onto um, a positive for us this week, man. Because <laughs> in case in case you live under a rock, we had a. Uh, a cup quarterfinal this 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 evening. I mean, last evening, should I say? Um, or Wednesday evening, should I say? And um, yes, you heard that right. A cup quarterfinal. Tottenham, Tottenham Hotspur in a cup quarterfinal. We won the game 3-1. It was away from home against Stoke City. Notorious for for many scalps back in their Premier League days. And you know the, the, the same old story. Oh, can you do it on a cold, rainy night in, in Stoke? Blah, blah. Well, we did it. We absolutely did it. So I know you mentioned Gareth Bell. So I wanted you to sort of give us your take on the performance as a whole yesterday and, and, and what you thought of, of Bale and, and a few others. I mean, he did all right to get the goal. Um, and, I mean, it was a big game for quite a few of our fringe players, wasn't it? I mean, we had Doherty, who's been criticised early. Rightly so, he's come under the lights a bit. Sanchez, mm. who's heavily under the lights. Winks and Delhi. Like, it's a big game for all of them. Um Doherty wasn't great. Sanchez put in a solid game. Winks, pro Winks, myself. He was, I mean, it's my match. He was, he was solid. Like, I'm not going to go over the top with it. I could, but I won't. Um, (laughs) Not a fair amount of ball recovery. He looked like he was very forward thinking and created a nice couple of chances. Although I do think for Bale's goal, he was actually aiming for Doherty's overlap. So do I. Other than so Bale. I. But yeah. it was a good finish by Bale for the 45 minutes, which he did play before he got yeah. injured. Um, Delhi had a solid game, I think. He was looking to try and be more of his old self. Yeah. I wouldn't say it wasn't that intense, but he was looking to... I mean, he looked sharp on the ball. Yeah. For me, apart from the incident, mm-hmm. which... Um, I guess we'll go into now. Uh, yeah. It was harsh, harsh on from Mourinho. If not, I mean, at least at the very least, a little bit pedantic for coming out and like singling him out for individual criticism after the game. Although I do think like people were saying that oh he wasn't harsh because he, um, he got asked a direct yeah. question. But I mean, Mourinho was asked direct questions like this about Aurier against Leicester. Didn't criticize him against uh, he got asked the same question about Bergvine against Liverpool, didn't criticize him. But for Ali, he he was just on his neck, and it yeah, it was it was a bit over the top, yeah, man. As as the old sort of as the old ratchet saying in America is keep the same energy, keep the same Mm. energy that we don't see from this manager, man. Like, um, I'm all for Ali not being a starter in the Premier League, I felt Mm -hmm. Ali had as good as a chance as anyone in our squad to 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 stamp his name on that on that um Premier League team sheet. Um he was played pretty much every single game um earlier on in the start of the year and he just wasn't good enough. And this is something it's something we've seen from Dele Alli. Um not it's not new. We we saw it on a Pochettino as well. I know he had his injury problems and whatnot, but he's he's been fit for the last couple of months and we we he's just not looked like he's contributing much. So as far as Premier League inclusion is concerned, I can understand him not starting. And I can even understand him not being in a matchday squad. If you don't fancy him, you don't fancy him. But I mean, a game like Stoke, 
where he looked like he was one of our brighter players in the first half, for you to hook him off thinking he's the problem and then to dig him out in a post-match conference as well, it's clear to see that it's personal. I don't like yeah. the way he's treating Ali, but I mean, it seems like it's a marriage that's set to end. He came in, he put his arm around Ali, he tried to turn Ali and tried to improve the performances. That wasn't prolonged. And now Ali wasn't performing to the level he wasn't. And now you're just uncharacteristic. In fact, it's not even uncharacteristic. Now you're, it's, it's very familiar behavior from Mourinho. Now you're, you've hung him out to dry and you're treating him like a bag of crap. So listen, it's going to end now. It's, he's as good as gone in January. So, yeah. So, so be it. So be it. It's, it's one of those things really. Um, anyway, so like it is what it is, man. Ali, I like him. I would give him until the end of the season, but you can't really begrudge the club selling him because let's be real, the last two, three years have not been the Delhi Ali that we saw in the first sort of two, three years of his career. So yeah, it's it's a weird one, man. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.com. AG. That's Blue Wire, all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. What did you think of the um what did you think of the semi-final? The semi-final draw? Brentford, Brentford at home. Favourable. Yeah. Favourable. We can just let the Manchester clubs do it. Oh, it is United v City in the semi, isn't it? Yeah, yeah uh, it's favourable. We should we should go through. There's no excuses if we don't. It's as I say, it's a favourable draw. We are the better team on paper. Even if we use fringe players for at least half of the starting lineup, again, we should still go through. Yeah. I'm I'm firmly expecting us to be in the final against one of the the Manchester clubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same. Um, I know we we had that that scare when we like, were last in or all those years back on the Pochettino when we faced Sheffield United and a young Shea Adams was was tearing us a new a hole away mm. from home at, at Bramall Lane. But I feel like it will be comfortable with us having a semi final game in our home in our home ground as well. So it's a bit different. Well, I say different. I know because we played at Wembley last year mm-hmm. a couple of seasons ago and so on and so forth. But it's different now, playing a cup semi-final at the new White Hart Lane. So we got to take advantage of it and we got to rotate, like you said, play some of those fringe plays, but we also got to keep um, some integrity in that team and just make sure we we were in that final come, come April, really. Um, what did you think of Harry Kane playing 90 minutes? Because... I felt, I know obviously Mourinho used up his subs. I could go into detail on on why that was a bit clumsy on his part, but Harry Kane playing a full 90 minutes, Sonny playing um, 45 minutes that game as well. I know obviously everyone's praising Lamella's return, but again, back on the over-reliance point, do we feel like Mourinho's not resting Son and Kane at times where he has the opportunity to rest him? It's hard to tell. Um... 
I can say, I mean, we they've both had a bit of a drop off in performances recently, though. So yeah. I would only really put that down to me. I mean, you'd have both mental and physical fatigue, right? But I'd say I'd lean more towards physical fatigue at this point, just with the the congested run of fixtures. We are over relying on on them. We know that, and yeah, it, it must be they've just lost that extra little like ten percent mm. in their in their fitness. I think and the they've just had a drop off from that and you've got to question it if uh if these players that you are relying on and they have had a drop off in intensity while you're still playing them for 90 minutes i think we i mean we did press sun um yeah he came on at half time which is good but my what i was what I, was, I, I didn't mind kane starting the game on no. wednesday but what i was hoping was that you could at least bring on vinicius in the second half go to one up Take off Harry Kane, bring him on. I mean, bring on Vinicius, let him see out the game. Give Kane some rest ahead of what's going to be a tough game on on Saturday or Sunday against against Wolves. But 90 minutes, I mean, 90 minutes on Wednesday, um, off the back of 90 minutes against Leicester, off the back of 90 minutes against Liverpool as well. It's a busy period coming up for us and we want to keep our, our key our key players as fresh as possible. Um, there was no point in you buying Vinicius if you're not going to give him any sort of minutes in, in games like this as well. But you know what? To, to, to Jose Mourinho's credit, he did rotate to a, a good enough extent in the Europa League group stage matches as well. So um, I'm hoping that we can see Vinicius in um, the FA Cup third round tie against Marine. And maybe even in some of the, play there. yeah, maybe even in some of the Premier League matches as a substitute or possibly even as a start. You never know. You never know. No, you're right. I mean, I've liked what I've seen of Vinicius so far, and to my mm. knowledge, I think he's only had uh, minutes um, as a substitute against West Brom, right? And mm. he clearly affected the game when he came on just yep. by being a presence to allow Kane to run off him, um, mm. which is incidentally how we got the goal in that game. So, I mean. I can't remember who we've got after Wolves, but there's just going to be surely some opportunity for him to get minutes in the league because he's actually one of our players who are actually somewhat in form. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Let me even just quickly double-check our fixtures just to make sure. So, yeah, we've got got Wolves on the 27th, which is the Sunday. Then we've got Fulham at home, Leeds at home. Mm. Um... And then I'm pretty sure we've got the FA. When's the FA Cup third tie? But yeah, we've got um, the FA Cup third tie. Then we've got um, one second. Yeah. No, sorry. We've got Wolves away, Fulham at home, Leeds at home, Brentford at home, and then Marine FC in the uh, FA Cup on the 10th, followed by Aston Villa away from home. So you would imagine at least for those. Uh, Five games I mentioned, the first five games, Vinicius should at least get one start, one or two starts in, in some of those fixtures we've mentioned. So um, let's just wait and see, really. And with that, we can sort of move on to, we can sort of move on to the Wolves sort of preview as well. And the first thing that I want to vent my frustration over is Giovanni Lacelso. It's ridiculous that people are now calling him it's one thing for people to call him Lamella 2.0, which I don't like because I think like, Lamella's crap and I don't think it's <laughs> crap. But I feel like now it's becoming a bit appropriate because of the injuries. I'm sick to death of seeing this guy get injured. And now we're, we're hearing that he's not going to play any part in the rest of the 
the fixtures across the festive period. What's your thoughts? It's just a shame um, because he he just is such a gifted player, and we've had I think quite a few of us have had to defend him as well over over his spell here for not getting enough goals or assists or whatever. Even though he, he he's at his best when he operates deep, so it's just a shame. I'm I'm more disappointed than uh, than angry. It's it's one of those where I would like to know a bit more from what's going on behind the scenes because. From what um, I could gather from the the project restart period is that he was playing through an injury willingly and thus perhaps damaging his body worse and worse. So I don't know if he's just still doing that and he's picked up another injury or it's just been another unlucky setback. Um, but he's going to be a massive miss for sure. And we've got to have players like, um, like Winks. He's going to have to step up. Yeah. And Don Malay is going to have to play more minutes, which I'm sure he can. Yeah. Which I'm sure he can. Um, and, yeah, we may end up having to just, uh, yeah, rely on Winks a bit more. <laughs> You'd love that, wouldn't you? I would. I really would. You're actually Winks' fanboy. I'm not sure. I was about to say Sissoko, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> when I spit bars in a ring, I'm going to go hard last time, can Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job sites, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now... Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed's match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueIsle. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueIsle. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. You would, I would describe yes. you as um, Winx's... Your um, Winx is your daddy, basically, just like that girl who was saying Dave Ben Davies was her <laughs> was her daddy. But um, she couldn't join us on the pod, but you know, maybe <laughs> next week. Yeah. yeah so, Wolves is an interesting one, really, because they've not really been in the best of form, and I feel like that can be said. I feel like that statement could be said pre Jimenez and post Jimenez, and yeah. not when I say form. I, I know they have picked up some results here and there, but when you watch. The performances with Wolves, you're not really convinced that like, like they're like they're good, they're good, they can get a result here and there, but they're not threatening enough for, for my liking. And I, this could be the commentator's curse. I'm hoping it's not because I'm touching wood. I'm touching wood. But coming up against Wolves, you would think a counter attacking side versus what we now see as a counter attacking side under Jose Mourinho, it's gonna it's gonna be a, a a weirdly sort of cagey affair where I reckon both teams will cancel each other out. But are you are you um 
quite frightful of Wolves because I know they've obviously just beaten, they, they beat Chelsea not too long ago, but then they go to Burnley and they lose 2-1. They play Aston Villa at home um, and they lose 1-0. They go to Anfield, fair enough, it's Anfield, and they get flogged 4-0. So, yes, these aren't easy results. These aren't easy matches to play with the exception of probably Burnley. But I'm just thinking with Wolves now, with no Jimenez, um, what's your take on on, on what we're, what we're uh, due to expect on Sunday? Like you say, it's... 100%. I mean, you could put your money on it being a cagey affair for sure. I mean, um, Nuno Santos is pretty much from the school of Mourinho, having yeah, played under him before, to be honest. <laughs> and I, like, ironically enough, as much as um, a fan I am of of how Mourinho sets us off to suit us, he I've in the past called Nuno a bit of a coward in a way where he doesn't really seem to rotate his squad much. He's... Very, um, very conservative to say the least. Yeah. He has the three at the back, which um, I'm not sure. I think they've played around with the four at the back recently, but still, but looking to play yeah. in a very similar way to us. So I know typically when Mourinho comes against these type, these type of sides, we'll see him go more four four two because mm-hmm. teams like that pre- predominantly try and exploit the wings to attack. If we use 4-4-2, we kind of make sure we don't get isolated by using our trusty defensive wingers. Mm. And then um, just play on the break. So I expect that to happen. And I think we can still get a result playing like that as long as we don't. Like, I'm not a fan of this sitting back 0.00 expected goals kind of way of playing. I know we typically only really do that if we've already taken the lead, but... A similar performance by being a tad more on the front foot than with how we played against Liverpool. I think that will see us out. Yeah, we. Yeah, it, I agree. You know, I agree already. And for me, it's more than a tad. We need to be on the front foot in a lot more of these matches than than we have been. That's my biggest beef with Jose Mourinho. Um, but I'm not going to knock what he's done this season. I'll put my my issues to a side. Not going to knock what he's done this season, but I feel like the team need to recognise the threat that we're up against on Sunday. Um, like I said, I, I don't really rate Wolves as much as well as I have done in recent seasons. They're a good side, mm-hmm. but they're a very beatable side. Me, if I'm putting my money on it, I would put it on a Tottenham win, probably a 2-1 win. Um, but we have to be wary of the threat that they carry out wide with with Pedence and Pedro Neto. Pedence mm-hmm. is doing his best, Eden Hazard, um, impression, especially with the the, the, it's the very butt, good as well. Butt cheeks as well. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> you're not still talking wood, are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, Pedence doing his, his his very best, Eden Hazard um, impression, and then you got Pedro Neto, who can play both sides, can play through the middle, and he's just so aggressive with the ball. So I feel like we're going to need to be wary of that threat, especially on the counter. Um, and I feel like we need to be on their midfielders. We can't let um, the likes of Moutinho or Neves get time and space to start spraying that ball around. We need to be we need to be at it from the off. And on the whole, I just want to see a better performance or a better start to the match than than we had against Leicester. I want to see a start similar to um, what we had against Crystal Palace as well. And I want us to see. I want to see us mm-hmm. on the front foot. I want to see us on the front foot and I want us to take the game to Wolves and try and kill that game as quickly as possible. Um, what's your sort of predicted scoreline for that match? I'm going to go with 
with it being the KG one, I'm, I'm going to avoid. I'm going to let you in a little bit on my fan side strategy. I'm not going to be using any players in that match because okay. I just can't predict it or guess it. But I'm going to go for a two-one KG win mm. as long as as long as we can stay solid from set pieces as well. We may not even concede a goal at all. But with our recent uh, recent ability to just not be able to defend set pieces or attack them for that matter. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll probably try and scape, scrape it 2-1. Mm. Well, um, yeah, Wolves, I feel like Wolves, we, we've done, we tend to do quite well there away from home. Maybe if maybe not performance-wise, yes, but results-wise, um, the last two seasons, we've we've come out of there with, with um, three points each time. Um, Jose Mourinho obviously got that that um, late winner, um, courtesy Jan Vertonghen last year to win 2 1. Mm. And then I loved uh, Maurizio Pochettino went there 3 0 up, and we somehow crawled to a 3 2 win. That was and fourth that, conceding two penalties, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. It was weird. Had a, had a good game, but somehow conceded two penalties. It was weird. But um, speaking on Pochettino as well, um, that's a nice little segue onto the last part of our podcast. So I like that. I like that. <laughs> Obviously, Pochettino, um, rumours soon to be confirmation uh, of his appointment as PSG manager. We know Thomas Tuchel got sacked. Thomas Tuchel's been sacked um, today. And we know that Pochettino's locked in talks to, to be the next uh, Paris Saint-Germain Manager, so uh, what's your general thoughts on this? Because I, I, it feels like on the Twitter sphere, the Spurs Twitter sphere, it's like you either have the people who are really happy for Poch and want him to do well, and then you have the people who are like, "Oh, move on, jog on. He's left us. Why do you care so much?" I don't. Yes. Get, what's your take? It's it's a very sour taste in my mouth. I, I even saw someone from uh, right wing Spurs Twitter kind of say like along the same lines as that. Oh, like, why are we oh, still talking oh, about? Tory Spurs Twitter, yeah. Tory Spurs, right <laughs> wing, Aaron Spurs. Oh, God, it's so rife with um, kind of Pochettino disrespect. I mean, I saw one uh, one guy earlier, um, he kind of said, like, you know, Pochettino's not our manager anymore. Why is there such a wank fest about him on the TL? I'm just like, you, you can't not want him to do well. You can't not. And Jack, um, shout out to Jack. He summarised it well with the tweet, um, it was a quote of someone else kind of declaring how, like, what he had done for us in terms of like our best ever points tally in like proactive, exciting football. And what he was for me as well, like I want to touch upon this without going on too much of a tangent. We, I mean, we do, we obviously all support Spurs and, you know, sometimes you'll have a kind of hipster team who you would support on the side as like someone you want to do well. And for me around like 2012, 13 times, that was, Klopp's Dortmund, unfortunately. Yeah. But once we got Pochettino and we got into full flow with him, my favourite hipster team was my own team. Yeah. And I could fully stick my chest out on the on the timeline in any football banter because of Pochettino. Uh, yeah. He was my favourite po- like, hipster team and favourite team that I support because of Pochettino. And the way he elevated us from kind of being in and out of the top four to being you know, contenders for the top titles. We can't forget that. Yeah. I don't know why it's given fans the sense to not acknowledge that at all. Like, I hope that flag of him at the stadium with kind of him holding his arms up stays at the stadium 
like forever. We can't not acknowledge what he's done for us. Yeah, man. Yeah. Couldn't have, couldn't have put it uh, better myself. I'm not going to wax lyrical about Poch. You know my thoughts. I, I'm I'm fully in your camp on this as well. Um, and I feel like from our side of the Spurs camp, I feel like we're all hoping that he does well um, at PSG because really... 100%. We know the PSG manager. You're not being employed there to win the league. The league is a pre. The league is the league is an expectation. What you're being there, what you're being employed there to do is to not only dominate the league, but to to get as high up the the food the the um, food uh, chain as possible in the Champions League. And with his methods, with his strategy, and with his balance between front foot attacking football and defensive stability, they have every chance of. Mm of um, going as far as possible in the competition, especially with that attack. So, listen, Poch, we wish you well. Um, <laughs> we wish you we well. Do. If you come up against Chelsea, knock us out, knock, knock them out for us, please, as well. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I think we can say that safely the whole podcast is probably behind him at PSG as well, especially like from a selfish perspective as well. I'm so glad he hasn't joined Man United. Honestly, like, I, I want to hear Mooga bums twitching after this that they <laughs> that are they going to Solskjaer somehow outlasted Thomas Tuchel, yeah, who is a Champions really? League finalist. Then Crazy. they're not they're not getting their man. I want to yeah. see who they're going to twerk for now next. Yeah, um, exactly. They they've been they've been whoring themselves out for Pochettino. Very for, interesting. For literally, like the best part of two point five years, and even Arsenal fans have been opening their legs and begging oh, every every <laughs> week on Sachi Gunas now I'm hearing his name for Pochettino and, and it was never going to happen and now that nails finally been sort of hammered home into the coffin so um yeah Poch we wish you all the best and um with that I feel like we can sort of bring the podcast um this week's podcast onto a close um Owen it's been it's been a pleasure chopping it up with mm. you um thank you thank it's been festive it's been fun yeah <laughs> yeah, loving the jumper. <laughs> yeah, I had to represent, of course, Chris, keeping it Christmassy, but also keeping it Tottenham at the same time as well. Um, if you're still listening and you want to catch some more of us, make sure to, to jump on the Discord this weekend. Make sure to download Fanslide as well. Um, mm. Compete with us as well. Um, we'll be we'll be active throughout the festive period as well, not just for the Wolves game, but for the the Fulham game, the Leeds game, and 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 uh, the, the games leading up into the New Year as well. So um, <clears throat> jump on. Uh, yeah, we'll see you. We'll see you later. Take care. Happy Christmas. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.